Welcome. Thank you for listening to Spiritual Living with author and teacher Francois Feinberg. May the message you're about to hear earnestly touch your heart, and may it encourage you in your ongoing love of God the Father, your enjoyment of the Lord Jesus Christ, and your fellowship in both the Holy Spirit and the body of Christ. Romans chapter 8, verses 5, 6, 7, and 8, Paul talks over and over again how as believers we now need to mind the things of the Spirit and not the things of the flesh. Verse 5 says that those who are according to the flesh, they mind the things of the flesh. That is, those who are born of the flesh, those who are of the kind of the flesh, It's just their natural proclivity to mind the things of the flesh. Paul goes on, he says, But those who are according to the Spirit, those who are born of the Spirit, made alive by the Spirit, those who have God in Christ, in Spirit, dwelling inside of them, well, these believers, they begin to exercise their mind towards the things of the Spirit. In verse 6, Paul says, For the mind set on the flesh is death, but the mind set on the spirit is life and peace. Because the mind set on the flesh is enmity against God. It is not subject to the law of God, and neither can it be. And those who are in the flesh, those who incline to the flesh, and walk in the flesh. And in context here, those who set their mind on the flesh, they uh, cannot please God. Often, I am asked the question, how do I walk in the Spirit? How do I live this normal Christian life? Well, Paul gives us a little hint here, is that you have to, in a way, choose towards the things of the Spirit versus choosing towards the things of the flesh. Very few believers understand that when you are regenerated, God does not take away your mind, God does not take away your emotion, and neither does He take away your will, your volition, your determination. So to walk in the Spirit, often we have this misnomer. Oh, walking in the Spirit, you are, in a way, levitating through life. You are, in a way, weird. You're a little bit non-human. You float. Uh, things are just easy in the Spirit. It's, it's as though I'm this empty vessel. And the Spirit just takes me over and carries me forward. But Paul says, no, you need to engage your will. To, to lean into the things of the Spirit. You have to mind, engage your mind into the things of the Spirit. Just as much as your will and your mind and your emotions, let's say, are used to leaning into the things of the natural order, the flesh, the carnality, if you will, even so now train your mind and engage your mind, engage your will to lean into the Spirit. So walking in the Spirit is a very practical matter. It's not all God 
working on a vessel that is apathetic and disengaged and passive. Neither is it all me that by my will and my grit and my determination, ooh, I'm going to live out the spiritual life. Beloved, it's a partnership. It is the Spirit of God infusing himself into me, but it is me choosing to lean into God. It's as though sin knocks on the door and I have to choose to open the door to sin. It's the same with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit knocks on the door and he calls out and he woos and he teaches and he leads and he reveals. And I have to lean intellectually into that. And I have to engage my will. This is something that, as believers, sometimes we just do not get because we are taught that you cannot will yourself into salvation. You cannot will yourself into transformation. Uh, True Christian spirituality is really not a self-help agenda. It's really God. It's really grace. It's really the power of the Spirit. But, beloved... It is also you. Yes, you have to engage your mind. Yes, you have to learn. You have to be transformed and renewed, as Paul would speak later on in chapter 12. But even more, you have to engage your will. Just as much as I choose to open up the door when sin knocks, I have to choose to open up the door when God knocks. In Genesis chapter 4, there is the account of sin knocking at the door of Cain. In Revelation chapter 3, there is the account of Christ knocking at the Laodicean church's door. And he too wants to come in. So neither Christ nor sin just forces themselves down your throat and into your being and usurp and manipulate you and take you over completely. It's as though you play a part. So walking in the Spirit is all God. Oh yeah, it's all God. But it is not God busting down the door and just barging into my life and totally usurping my mind and my emotions and my will. No, those things stay very much intact. And so to set your mind on the Spirit, to walk in the Spirit, to pray in the Spirit to sing in the Spirit, to live in the Spirit, to engage anything in Father, Son, and Holy Ghost requires the engagement of your choice. And that's what I want to focus on in this message. We want to start off there in Genesis and show you how Cain was supposed to choose uh, obedience to God. And I want to visit with you a little bit about this issue. Um, Do you engage your will to get up and spend time with God, to pray, to walk with God, to say no to sin? It's not all you. It's not all God. It is a partnership. And it does require your choice. In a way, when Mary was approached by the angel and said, you will be with child, initially she pondered this. How can it be? I have never been with a man. But then the angel says to her, with God, all things are possible. This is actually a possibility. And then Mary says to Gabriel, she says, then let it be done to me according to your word. In essence, she was saying, all right, I agree. Amen. 
I am in. And Mary chose to enter into the things of God. And boom, she became pregnant with the Son of God. It's not just that God came over her and impregnated her apart from her choosing, apart from her opening up the door. So listen carefully in this message. As I'm trying to say, it's, 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 it is God, yes. And it is you. But it's you and God in partnership. It's your will, your choosing, in correspondence with the Spirit's knocking, the Spirit's wooing, and the Spirit's leading. Beloved, one of the things that we can ask of the Spirit of God as we now live out the Christian life is we can say, Holy Spirit, strengthen my mind to understand. Strengthen my emotions to not be so fickle, but more especially, Holy Spirit, strengthen my will. Strengthen my will to choose you. I hope you enjoy this message. I hope you are challenged. And I hope the Holy Spirit strengthens your will to walk in the Spirit of God. Let's just read from verse 1 a little bit, get the story. It says, The man knew Eve, his wife, and they conceived and gave birth to Cain. And she said that I have acquired a man from the Lord. And again she gave birth to his brother Abel. And Abel was a tender of sheep, and Cain was the tiller of the ground. Nothing really wrong with that. Just there respective vocational choices. A shepherd and a gardener, if you will. But in the course of time, in due time, Cain brought an offering to the Lord from the fruit of the ground. They both have a desire to sacrifice, and we assume that Adam taught them how to sacrifice to God. Sacrifice to God has to involve blood. But Cain, um, in a way, chooses to bring the fruit of the land. It says in verse 4 that Abel also brought an offering and he actually sacrificed an animal. Um, The firstlings of his flock and the fat... Thereof, But it says in verse 4 that the Lord actually accepted Abel's offering and not Cain's offering. Um, it's the same story. Do not eat of this tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Eat the tree of life. So here's the man and the woman, and they choose the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. It's the same story. There's two offerings. There's an offering by sacrifice and blood. There's an offering by bananas and pineapples. It's two trees, if you will. It's two dynamics that you can partake of. So uh, it says here in verse 5 that for Cain and his offering, 
God had no regard. God did not receive that offering. And Cain, Cain became very angry and his countenance fell. He was disappointed that God had rejected him. After all, he put so much effort into this banana and he picked the perfect pineapple for God. Now he brings his pineapple to God and God was like, I, I don't want the pineapple, thank you. I'll go and take the lamb from Abel instead. So at this stage, Cain is not really sinning. He's just angry. We know that later on, anger within will become sin. But it's just part of his emotion. And he has a feeling of disappointment. I get that. I, I mean, have you never been disappointed? Have you never felt rejected? And yet that sadness or that disappointment, that hurt, that's not really sin, as you'll, as you, as you'll see in just a minute. It's what you do with it. So listen. So he's angry. I mean, I, I think I can see that. I understand that. And his countenance has fallen. That is his emotion. When you guys get disappointed, does your countenance not fall? It's like our tire is deflated. Of course, you can't be dapper. You're down. little depression. Cain's not quite sinned just yet. So now the Lord comes to him. The Lord says, Cain, why are you angry and why has your countenance fallen? Listen, the voice of God comes into this broken situation. The voice of God comes into this depression, despondency. And God wants to dialogue with him. Hey, Cain, um, what's going on? My, my child, talk to me. And you'll see in all of your brokenness and despondency, God is there. Hey, talk to me. What's going on? Look at verse 7. If you do well, will not your countenance be lifted up? In other words, if you do the right thing, just leave the banana and bring me a lamb. Do the right thing. And if you do not do well, sin is knocking at the door. Sin is standing at the door. Sin is right there present, crouching, my Bible says, at the door. So notice, uh, Cain hadn't sinned just yet. And notice also how sin is personified. Sin is standing at the door. It's kind of like Jesus in the book of Revelation, Revelation 3. He's standing at the door too. So apparently there's a kind of a door and there's a kind of a knock. It's going to be the knock of sin. It's going to be the knock of, of Jesus. On this side of the door, I have some thoughts that are not quite all together. I have some feelings that are hoping for this or that. And Cain, you know, the woman hoped for being like God wise. Cain is sad that he's rejected, but he hadn't sinned just yet. And the Lord says to him here, if you take the appropriate action, if you choose. And the emphasis here is not on the sin that is without knocking, standing, crouching. 
the lesson here is, how will you answer from within? And the Lord even gives him a tip. Choose to sacrifice a lamb. Do good. Get your will engaged. Just choose to do the right thing. You may not feel like it. Your mind, it doesn't make sense. Why doesn't God accept my banana? There's just times you're not going to understand it. And then the Lord counsels him. Choose. So God is knocking at the door and sin is knocking at the door. Now, you will pull the trigger of your will and you're either going to go the way of God or you're going to go the way of sin. Welcome to the science of sin. Don't think that because you have a bad day or a bad feeling like you've sinned. It's what, there's just this knocking at the door and it can use your intellect. Yes, it can use your emotions, but it wants to activate your will to choose. So God says to him, sin is standing at the door. And notice the next phrase. Sin is coming after you. Its desire is for you. Sin stands at the door and knocks. And its desire is to control you, to manipulate you, to cause you to open up the door. We call that temptation, correct? When you guys have temptation, don't be so hard on yourself. When you have a feeling, when you have a thought, um, don't condemn yourself. Sin is standing at the door and knocking through that temptation, but you can still choose from within to say yes or no. So here the Lord says, its desire is for you. It wants to overpower you. It wants to make you a prisoner, etc., etc. But notice carefully the next phrase. And you must rule over Notice the hymn, Sin is a Person. There's God standing at the door to talk to you, to dialogue, and probably to give you grace and mercy and the Spirit to overcome this situation. But sin is standing at the door to seize, to usurp, to overpower. And I marvel at this word, you need to rule over it. What part of you need to rule over it? Your choice. Your will. Here's a story of Cain, how sin as a person knocks at the door, and God says, no, you need to rule over it. So the next thing you know here, Cain submits to the sin knocking, and sin takes advantage of his anger, his emotion, sin takes advantage of his thought process. And the next thing he knows is, hey, it will just be better if my brother is dead. This is the logic he comes up with. And so here's how it works, beloved, the science of sin. You and I probably every day have a voice whispering in my ear, do this. But I, I bet you the Spirit of God is right there. Hey, go this way. And even through your conscience, the Spirit says this way. Um, sin says that way. But neither are going to force themselves on you. God is not just going to come on you and, and protect you from this sin. 
This is what many Christians think. He's going to overpower me and somehow I levitate to this side. I have no skin in the game. Sin has power, but it's, all its power is is logic to reason, emotion to cause you to feel. And it's just knocking. What causes you to be carried away to different directions is who? My own will. My own will. Initially here, that anger is not really an issue. I would say that disappointment. It's when Cain chooses not to partner with God and do the right thing. And instead, he chooses to uh, go with sin. The gospel, what is the gospel? The gospel is... God standing at the door, teaching you new truths for your mind. The gospel is God standing at the door, teaching you a new hope for your emotion. But the gospel is also God giving you the Holy Spirit to strengthen your will. He's talking to you and He wants to give you grace upon grace. But still, you have to choose. So you still have to choose to pray. You have to choose to worship. You have to choose to walk in the Spirit. You have to choose. Most Christians, we would say, I don't feel like it. No, you live the spiritual life by choosing, just like you live the sin life by choosing. God doesn't take away your will. You still intellectually can know. You can still feel. But your will still has a major role, and you have to choose. And this is where He gives you the Holy Spirit to strengthen your will. But in the end, by the Spirit, you have to engage your will and raise that hand. Like your your arm does not want to raise to God. Because your mind says, this doesn't make sense. I don't feel like it. But by, by, by your choice, by the grace of the Holy Spirit, you raise your hand. You say, okay, God, I worship you. You still have to open up your mouth and say, Jesus is Lord. God's not going to open up your mouth. You engage your mouth. Jesus is Lord. But He gives you the grace to say that. And so if you partner with grace, grace empowers you logically. Grace empowers you emotionally. But even better, grace empowers you volitionally. It's amazing. But you still have to choose. Look at this interesting verse here in James 4.17. Therefore, to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is sin. Your will plays a role. To him who knows to do good and does not do it. This talks about the intellect that knows. But if you don't add action and your will and your volition to it, you're going to blow it. Your will plays a role. Your will plays a part in walking with God. So, most of us think being led by the Spirit is just like the Holy Spirit overpowers me and I'm this puppet on a string and He walks me a certain way. It's not true. It's not true. 
He gives me the grace to choose with two feet on the ground to walk this out. You have to choose, you have to choose, you have to choose. How many more times should I say it? And let me wrap it up quickly with a person who was also tempted, who also emotionally was very shot down, and yet chose Luke's Gospel, chapter 22. Here is a scene of the Lord in the garden. And there are seemingly two ways to choose, the way of death or the way of self-preservation. You might say there's two trees here, the tree of the cross dying or the tree of self-preservation, comfort, my way. And you're going to see the issue here is a man in the garden where there is the temptation to choose differently. In the initial garden, a man chose to rebel. Here's another garden where a man is going to choose the way of God. All that I'm trying to tell you is that to live in the Spirit and to walk in the Spirit with this little presence of sin, there is enough grace for you to choose uh, righteousness. Sin tempts, but you still have to choose. Okay, verse 39. It says that the Lord came out and He went, as was His custom, to the mountain of olives. And the disciples followed Him. And when he came to that place, he said to them, pray that you do not enter into temptation. We've been in this general vicinity many, many a time. And we allow the students even at times, if it's not too crowded, to sit for a minute and just meditate through this passage. He's in the Olive Garden. And Gethsemane means olive press. So there's actual old archaeological findings of olive presses in the garden. And I don't want to teach you about the process of making olive oil, but as they press and crush olives, there's actually three pressings that takes place, three crushings. The initial olive is crushed with a certain amount of weight, and it brings forth what they call virgin olive oil. That goes immediately to the temple, to the priests, to the lamps, in the temple, etc., etc. Then they add more weight to the olive, and that next crushing um, lets out now all the normal olive oil, if you will, um, that is used for cooking and for life and cosmetics and whatever. And then there's a third crushing of the pulp that's now left. They add more weight to it, and that third crushing is the scrap oil for your livestock with the pulp or for your oil lamp in your house. That's the oil that just is not edible. It's, it's just sort of the leftovers. So three crushings. Here in this garden, the Lord experiences three crushings. Three knocks at the door. Three opportunities to employ His will to go another direction. So let's close with this reading. So he says to his disciples, pray 
so that you do not enter into temp. Ah, so there is the little bit of a theme. He's in a environment of being tempted. They are being tempted. And he withdrew from them about a stone's throw. And he kneels down and he prays. And he said, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. In that sentence there, I do want you to see the humanity of Jesus. He's uh, on the eve of the crucifixion. And he knows what a crucifixion is. They, they've seen it before. And he's well aware of the pain. And he's probably very well aware of the sin that will be imputed to him. And the alienation from the Father and the death and the penalty. He's probably very much aware of all of this because it's prophesied in the Bible. Through the Psalms, notably. And in his humanity, he's basically saying, God... Is there another way? And I always say, he's asking God, is there a plan B we never discussed? Now would be a good time for plan B, if there was such a thing. But he makes this resolution. God, if you never change your mind and we stick with plan A, I want to give you my will and say, Lord, through my resolution, your will prevail. So here's a man who chooses the will of God. It says, And an angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. Here's what I want you to know. Is that when you choose God, righteousness, you choose the Holy Spirit, you have to still say, God, I'm choosing your will. Notice the next phrase here. An angelic being comes and gives him strength. For what? To live it out. So this is what I want you to know about your will. Don't think when you say, yes, Lord, okay, Lord, I choose righteousness, that you're still left to your own. Here, an angelic being comes and will walk with him through this torturous trial and give him probably comfort and strength. Otherwise, in his humanity, he would be dead in this garden already. Because the next verse even says it so. It says, He was in agony. And he prayed more earnestly so that his sweat became like great drops of blood upon the ground. Notice the anxiety, the emotional distress and torment within this man. And I can just imagine three times it says in the other Gospels, he's pleading with God. Is there another way? Is there another way? Let this cup pass. Please, let's do it another way. And the Father says no. And what He does is He says, Amen, okay. But in His will, though resolute for God, His emotions are affected and He begins probably to shake. And the distress causes the capillaries under His skin to bust, the anxiety. That is emotion. And in his mind, he's saying, is there another way? In his mind, he's well aware that this is going to cost him his life. But then he chooses. And as he chooses, boom, the Spirit is there to sustain. Uh, let's say the angelic beings is there to sustain him. Do you all get the point? 
extraterrestrial aid comes to strengthen the Lord. What do y'all think about that? Visitors from another realm. And so he would walk out the hellish ordeal of the crucifixion. When you give your will to God to choose, you're not left alone with just an empty tank. God will fill you to walk out what you choose. And that is a life in the Holy Spirit. That's why we can overcome every temptation. And so what do we do when we sin? All we do when we sin is we choose not to do it God's way. And you'll notice when you choose not to take it God's way, there will not be the grace to overcome. So yeah, you're going to sin. Does this make sense? We're all going to sin if God don't give you grace. But to get that grace, you have to say, Amen, Lord. And then boom, grace will come. Grace will come. And you will live out the overcoming life. So what does it mean to walk in the Spirit? It's not what we think. The Holy Spirit don't just pick you up and you float through earth. It is anguish. At times it doesn't make sense. And it's not, there's nothing wrong. You don't sin to say, oh God, is there another way? And yes, blood may pop out of you from anxiety. You've not sinned. Like Cain, it's just knocking at the door, but you can rule over it. And how do you rule over it? By choosing.